Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, yeah, this is the Car Session Sports Report. I'm your host, Job. Week 9 is in the books, so let's get right into it. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they are slowly waning their way into what I'd like to call disappointment status in the NFL. Four and four, a lot of Super Bowl hype a few weeks ago going back to, uh, they're potent offense. Big Ben looking like money. Getting a freshly sus- or fresh off suspension. Le'Veon Bell balling out of control. We already know what time it is with AB. But I gotta tell you, starting to look rather ordinary, son. <laughs> looking real ordinary out here in Pittsburgh. You got back Big Ben, and I would I really want to talk about the fact that Big Ben compromised his team, if you ask me. Come back, you're not healthy. It's evident that you can't move. All right, he scored on a running play. Cool. But in terms of the play call and the confidence from the offensive coordinator in terms of what he wanted to do, he spent more time protecting his quarterback as opposed to calling the offense and putting points up on his board. All right. The Ravens defense is nothing to sniff at. They're pretty solid. They're pretty good. I give them that. 100% give them that. I'm not even going to argue that. But the fact remains. Fact remains, if Big Ben wasn't so determined to play and so determined to get out there and effectively hurt his team by having an offensive coordinator call an offense that was extremely restrictive, I put that whole loss on Big Ben coming back. He should have stayed one extra week, get his knee right for the Cowboy game. That is the priority here. All right, the Ravens are a rifle, but come on now. The priority is getting these games later down the road, not a midseason game when you have half a knee. As a quarterback, you need both knees. You got to go in the pocket. You got you to gotta put a lot of pressure on your legs because you need your legs to drive those throws. The guys with 12 for 24, 24 passes called with the way they've been throwing the ball. You, <laughs> the offensive coordinator clearly knew what it was. The defensive coordinator for the Ravens clearly knew what it was. You know what I'm saying? They know, all right, we're going to stop Le'Veon right now off the rip. We already know what time it is, bruh. We know what time it is. Big Ben is compromised. We're going to sell out on a run because we know that if we stop the run, the offensive coordinator on the other side is not confident enough to have Big Ben standing for too long in the pocket to develop pass plays down the field. We know that. We know that. If I'm sitting here talking about it with y'all on car sessions right now, and I don't get paid to call plays, of course, the guys who get paid to do this, to scout the team, to scout the opponent, to devise the game plan, know what's necessary to stop them. And it's a rivalry game, too. You don't think the Ravens know what's coming and Big Ben compromise? Oh, that's food. That's food. It's not even like a whole meal. Big Ben yesterday was the, was the McDonald's 2 for 250 menu. You got two snack wraps yesterday for 250 That was Big Ben. They got the double cheeseburger in the snack wrap, the McChicken in the snack wrap, the two McChickens, however you want to call it. That was Big Ben for the Baltimore Ravens yesterday. Cheap food. Landry Jones should have been the quarterback. You'd have been a little more comfortable because you weren't worried about his knees being compromised. You might have got a little more creative with the play calling. And you might have had a different outcome. It might have been a better usage of Le'Veon Bell. And you might have had a different outcome. So that being said, I put this on Big Ben. All right, you want to be the leader. The quarterback is the leader. Cool, we get that. Quarterback is the face of the franchise. We get that. But the quarterback also has to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Because if you compromise your team like this, you're going to owe them. Because now you're 4-4. Four four. You're 4-4 four four when you should be 5-3. and three. 
The Ravens aren't that good. The Ravens' offense is putrid. I told you guys when the season started and they came on hot, I was waiting for the other shooter to drop because the offense is putrid. You gave one up last yesterday. Excuse me. You gave one up yesterday in Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I'm not even a Steelers fan, but I keep—I always like to say this. Things need to make sense for me. When things don't make sense, I get frustrated. I get very frustrated when things do not make sense. And when, when you look at what the Steelers were dealing with, what they were up against, they did not need Big Ben against Baltimore. They did not need him. They did not need a restricted game plan against Baltimore. I can't help but emphasize that. I can't stress that enough to you guys. You know what I mean? Frustrated right now. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. They went into Cleveland, handled their business. I can't get mad at them for that. I can't get mad at them for blowing out the Cleveland Browns. Last week on car sessions, I told you guys I was a bit concerned about this being a trap game. I felt as though, you know, looking ahead to the Steelers, going into Baltimore, coming off a big win against the, the Philadelphia Eagles, they would look past the Browns and get ready. That being said, Cowboys look like a very professional team. To use a sports cliche, the Cowboys were very business-like in Cleveland yesterday. They went to Cleveland, they looked around and said, these guys are food. These guys are food. This, this is the $5 box from Popeye's. This is the $5 fill-up from KFC. Let's, oh, oh. And I get a biscuit too? Or I, or I can get some wedges? I can swap out the sides? They looked at the Cleveland Browns and said, this is food. Big food. They handle their business. More and more, as a Giants fan on the outside looking in, I'm getting more and more impressed with Dak Prescott because a rookie, especially Zeke. Zeke got some things going on with the law. His ex-girlfriend won't go away. More on him in a second. But Dak Prescott, week after week, I'm becoming more and more impressed because he's handling his business like a veteran quarterback. You know, rookie quarterback shining in Dallas think he would stick his chest out he would bow up a little bit because he has the world in the palm of his hands nah he's like you know what? i'm a football player i'm paid to play football i wasn't drafted to be anything that chip on his shoulder is evident and, it, and the fact that tony romo's on the other shoulder looking over it he knows that he has to keep playing at a high level to keep his job and with that said he's not giving romo back the job it's gonna be up to jason garrett it's gonna be up Jerry Jones, the hand roam with that job back because Dak is not making it easy for them. I respect Dak Prescott for that. He's looking around like, you know what? I'm the man putting this team on my back, along with Zeke, along with this O-line. They're making it easy on the defense because the defense doesn't have to be on the field so much. So why should I give back my starting quarterback position to a guy who's fragile? To a guy who's made of glass? Let me know. I'm not mad at Dak Prescott. I'm a Giants fan saying this because I need people to understand when you hear me big up teams, I don't cheer for these teams. I just keep it real. Car sessions, there's no agenda. There's no underhanded motives here. It's just me being a sports fan and watching these games, seeing what's taking place, and calling a spade a spade. Dak Prescott is balling out of control, and he's not giving back this starting quarterback job. It's not happening, guys. Sorry to say. I'm sorry to say, it's not happening, brother. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Let's go out to San Diego. First surprise of the week. Not that the Chargers won. The Chargers handle their business. I'm not mad at the Chargers. When I look at Marcus Mariota, Mariota balled his behind off. I did not see this from Mariota coming. And, and I got to say, selfishly speaking, I wanted to speak about this because Mariota cost me a game in fantasy this week. Yes, Marcus Mariota cost me a game in fantasy this week because I was playing against TJ, who will be on the show a little bit later. And I and I had TJ dead to right. I put on some Street Fighter. You know, I like Street Fighter a lot. Y'all know on car sessions. I put on some Street Fighter 5 to go play online. 20 minutes later, I go and I check the score and I'm losing my damn near 20 points. And I'm like, yo, what's going on here? How is it possible that I was handling DJ's team all day long? Next thing I know, I'm losing. 
He had Marcus Mariota and Mariota's primary target. Mariota balled out of his out of his mind. He almost had the Tennessee Titans going in and leave with a five and four record. The fact that this Tennessee Titans team is not very good. It's not very good at all. And and they're four and five. Solid all right defense. It didn't look so good yesterday because the Chargers and Phillip Rivers, when you give him some talent and you give him some time to throw, he's one of the best QBs in the league. <laughs> Ripped them apart. Mariota kept him in the game. That offense, that run game, the putrid defense this week, but the defense has been I. I gotta call a space spade. I gotta keep it funky. The defense has been I. When you go up against Phillip Rivers in the rhythm, you're not gonna stop him. Fair is fair. But the offense held his own, and if they would have got the ball back, there's no doubt in my mind this game would have gone to overtime. Because the San Diego Chargers showed on their end, they couldn't stop Mariota in the second half. Cost me a game in fantasy. I was trying to go undefeated. Now I ain't going to go undefeated. I'm going to be 8-1 at the end of this week. And I'm, kinda, I'm, I'm, I'm not pissed off about it, but I'm disappointed. I wanted the undefeated season. I'm not going to lie to y'all. But Mariota impressed me. He impressed me a lot. Man, oh man. Let's go to L.A. You know, I'm spanning the globe. Let's do it. NFL Week 9 Review. You know, sometimes I give you points, but they have some interesting things throughout the league that I wanted to talk about. I want to go to L.A., and it's important for me to go to L.A., and I'm going to tell you why. Case Keenum is the starting quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams, right? Big-time starting quarterback. Big-time. All sarcasm, right? They have Jared Goff there. Not playing, suiting up every week. Essentially, this must be like 1992 when you draft a quarterback with the first-round pick and you bench him. You don't play him. I, I guess this is what we're doing. You know, in 20 in 2016, this is what we do with starting quarterbacks all of a sudden. My issue here is you're not scoring any points with Case Keenum. You're losing games with Case Keenum. At this point. What exactly are you not playing golf for right now? Like, I'm trying to figure this one out. Maybe maybe one of you guys can tell me. If your office is this putrid with Case Keenum, what is the reason you have to not play golf? They can't get any worse than this. You're, 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 you're diminishing your running back, Todd Gurley, tremendously. You've overexposed your defense all season long. Jeff Fisher. I need an explanation as to why Goff can't get on the field. What are you protecting him from? So what is it? Case Keenum is a, is a crash dummy? He's human flesh tossed to the, to the wreckage <laughs> that is your offense while you protect Goff? Yo, listen, man. Your offense can't get any worse. At some point, you have to make the decision to put this rookie in the game. And if the rookie is not ready at this point, then we got to start asking, why the hell did you draft golf in the first place? The, the second pick in the draft, which was also a quarterback, Mr. Wentz, who ran a, a somewhat pro-style offense in college. He ran a huddle. He took he took snaps from under center. He did these things. He went second. What did you draft golf for if that's the case? Like, Wentz is playing well. All right, the Eagles, they've hit their lull. Well, we expected that. They were playing with house money when they started out hot like this. Well, Wiss has shown that he's capable of playing a position, and he went second. So we had to look at Los Angeles and start wondering, like, if Wiss went second, what did you see in golf prior to the draft? What did you see in them that Wiss didn't have? What, what did, did Jeff Fisher think that golf was more handsome than Wiss? What is it? I just got an alert to my phone from Bleacher Report now that we're talking about this. Bleacher must be listening in the car session. The Rams are not expected to start Jared Goff until they're out of the playoff race, barring an epic collapse from Keenum. Bruh, they think what more you need to see from Keenum? They can't score. We played them uh, in England, right? We played them in England. The Giants defense looks super stout against the Rams. The Panthers, who've been giving up points this season on the defensive end of the ball, they, they they have not lived up to their reputation on defense this season. Stopped you guys, held y'all to 10 points at home. What more do you need to see? From, like, what is, it, what is the brain trust of Los Angeles doing? I got to go back to this point. What did you see in golf? Was he taller than Wentz? Did he answer the questions? 
better than than Wentz? Did he elocute the way he spoke better than Wentz? Did Jeff Fisher's daughter find golf to be so handsome that he had to draft him? Does Jeff Fisher have a man crush? Is it is it man crush Monday every week after a loss for golf? He just stares in the golf's eyes and finds him to be so handsome. I don't understand. Instrumentals.com. I don't understand. I'm looking around the NFL, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who's wondering if they suck like this on offense with Keenan. What they waiting for? Seriously. I need an explanation. I need a serious explanation as to what the brain trust of the Los Angeles Rams are thinking. Mm. Let this music ride out for a second. I like this beat. Yeah. New York Jets. They lose 27-23 and 23 to the Miami Dolphins rivalry game. Ryan Fitzpatrick had another Ryan Fitzpatrick game. I can't help but talk about this. Ryan Fitzpatrick will always be who he is. We saw it once again. Now his biggest fan, Brandon Marshall, is beefing with him. And that's not to be surprising. It's not a shock. You know, we knew it was coming. It's only but so long the emo Brandon Marshall can keep his his opinions to himself and keep his emotions in check when his quarterback is sticking up the joint. At this point, at this point, they might as well go ask the Rams if they can get Case Keenum, you know, because they don't believe in a third or a fourth-string quarterback. So maybe the Jets can play Wildcat the rest of the season. Instead of having, like, an actual quarterback, just play Wildcat, snap to Forte, let Forte run the ball, maybe sneak some throws in. I don't know. Huh? Do they have a guy who used to be quarterback in college on their roster that could, you know, could come in and throw a few passes from the Wildcat set? Because the Jets season is over. Listen, if the Jets are smart as an organization, wave the flag right now. Wave the white flag right now. Why? Because you can draft a quarterback, a real quarterback. Not, not not Mark Sanchez, not Geno Smith, but a real quarterback. Deshaun Watson is out in Clemson. He's going to be in the top five. I'm not sure. I got to go look up uh, what Mel Kuyper is talking about. But I know he's not falling out of the top five. He's a talented kid coming out of college. The Jets need to start seriously making decisions. You have a defense that's there. If you get a quarterback who's talented enough and smart enough to pick up an NFL offense, you could have him play while the defense does some things. The defense isn't as good as it's been in past years, I admit that. But if you have an offense who can score points and stop turning the ball over, exposing the defense as much as the Jets' defense has been exposed, you can have a legitimate shot to be good. Yes. A legitimate shot to be good. But when you have Fitzpatrick giving the ball away every start, the defense, the Dolphins, who's, they're not a juggernaut on offense, put up 27 points. Huh? Son has got to give. Somebody need to go get Fitzpatrick. Go get IK from, from wherever he's at and go punch Fitzpatrick in the jaw. Because maybe, you know, he got the job by way of a broken jaw. So maybe he needs to leave the Jets by way of a broken jaw. Because Son has got to give here, man. I'm so serious. I'm kind of frustrated with the situation as it's currently constituted. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The New York Jets need to start really seriously consider tanking. Like, really focus on building a team. The, the core of the Jets is the strongest. You know, they spent money a couple years ago. They, they put a good team together by way of trade and free agency. I'm not mad at that at all. I'm not mad. But now when you start looking at, once you go into, you know, the second string, third string, where do, you, where do they find these guys? I always joke about the Jets and I say the Jets lead the league in and players, where you look at the back of their jersey, and you see the name, and you're like, yo, where did they find this dude? Like, I don't know this dude. Where did they find him at? I don't know this guy. The Jets need to invest in a full-on tank. Let whoever play quarterback, let him stink up the jersey. Or maybe Fitzpatrick can stick up the season. Fitzpatrick is still good enough for a few games to where they're the Jets to win when they have no business winning. They need to embrace losing. I don't want the Jets to win another game. That's, that's basically what I'm trying to say right now. Not a Jet fan. But I'm looking at the Jets, and I'm like, you know what? It's time for them to lose a lot of games. 
Not just a little bit of games, but a lot of games. The Jets should not win another game the rest of the season. Draft the young quarterback that you can build around going forward. Because as we know in the NFL, it's quarterback's league. I've been preaching that for, for, since the preseason, since we're doing the, 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 pre-se- the, the season previews. It's a passing league. It's a quarterback league. Get a quarterback that you fully believe in, that you can fully invest in, that has the right disposition for New York City. Mark Sanchez was an accident waiting to happen from day one. He just had a great all-time defense, and he, and he did just enough to not mess it up to get him to the AC Championship game two years in a row before they asked him to do more than he was capable of, and we saw what he was capable of. You get a quarterback who's built for New York City, who's supremely talented, that you can build your team around going forward, and... and Compete in the NFC, excuse me, in the AFC East, as opposed to being a constant joke. I know a lot of Jet fans who are tired of the Jets being a constant joke, but the Jets never build right. The Jets are always looking for headlines. The Jets always want the back page in New York. The Jets want to make the splash. The Jets, the Jets have the little brother complex when it comes to the Giants. Like for instance, once the Mets stop caring about the Yankees, I'm a Mets fan. And I saw this this transition happen. Once the Mets stopped caring about the Yankees and built their team from the inside out, stop stop spending money on free agents who can't handle the New York pressure, and you get stuck with dingy contracts, and they went out there and they built up the farm, got some nice arms, made some timely trades, the Mets became a viable source of good baseball in New York City. The Giants aren't concerned with the Jets. The Giants go about their business as such at all times. So the Jets need to follow that mantra. Not worrying about the other team in your town, the other team in your stadium. And focus on building your team from the inside out. Once you build your team from the inside, once you have that construct in place, you'll never fall off too bad because you have the right ideals inserted into your organization. Man, New York Jets, they're really disappointed. And, uh, Speaking of the other team that shares the stadium with the Jets, the homie TJ has a new segment here, you know, second half of the season, kind of like what I was doing with Eddie and the Mets. I'm bringing TJ on to have this segment, you know, to talk about some Giants and talk about what he's noticed around the NFL that, you know, caught his attention and he wanted to shed light on it. So without further ado, let's start TJ's segment right now. Much like I deal with Eddie Sagaro, midway through the sports season, I like to bring on a car sessions family member to have their own segment to talk about specific things. And you know, I'm from New York, so I got to do it the New York way. So, TJ's back with his New York Giants segment. My brother TJ, welcome back to Car Sessions. Yo, what's good? What's good? What's going on, Joe? How are you? I can't complain, man. I, I, I definitely cannot complain, you know, the New York Giants. Although they tried to kill me in the process, they're now 5-3. and three. They find a way to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. So, TJ, the floor is yours. What were your takeaways from this matchup? Well, primarily we got off to a hot start after the two quick turnovers. I did not see the second one, so the first one, mm-hmm. and we basically scored real early on those two. Mm-hmm. Um, as the game went on, you figured game flow that the, that the offense would be able to basically grow and mature during the process of the game. It didn't necessarily do it. Like, I see him try to do have the run game. I think it's time we have to make a change at running back because yep. Paul Perkins looks a little bit more explosive yep. coming out than Brett Bashar Jennings during the process of the game. I agree. But I feel that the game, we should score more points, though. Oh. There was an opportunity for us to at least put another 10 points on the board just because we were able to get not just the two interceptions, but essentially forcing a foreign, not foreign out, but like stopping the team on fourth down, right, right. and they turn the ball over on downs, that's essentially a turnover. Okay. So, without getting prime position, but we were unable to move the ball with that. Right. Now, I don't want to hear any critics of Eli say, oh, he threw a pick. The ball was, the ball was batted right. at the line of scrimmage, so that's non-controllable. He had the right read on that. On that. So, we should have put up at least another 10 points. This offense needs to be a little bit more explosive 
Eli missed a big shot a couple of times. I know one was with Odell. Right. And I do believe, um, what's his kid name? Roger Lewis. Exactly. I believe he, he dropped a couple of balls mm-hmm. as well. That will continue so, drives. DJ, so, I want to, not to cut you off, I want to jump in here. Um, the Giants did score 28 points. I saw them make a more concerted effort to push the ball down the field offensively. They took a lot more shots than I've been seeing in recent, I would say all season long. Forget recent weeks, all season long. What what were your takeaways from the offensive play calling? Did you like what you saw? What, what, what did you see out there? I did like what I see because at least they mixed it up a little bit more. Okay. Because primarily coming into this week, even off the bye week, I'm pretty sure they had to implement more plays because they were realizing that the offense was primarily vanilla. Right. Like it was basic. It was just basically curl routes, quick slants, outs. And maybe a skinny post here and there. Okay. There was nothing really like a stop and go, mm-hmm. or nothing like a deep post, or nothing like a corner route, or anything mm-hmm. like that within the offense. Like they don't even do that much screens, honestly. Like we could, like if you put a like if you bunch like three receivers on one side, you do a quick screen to Odell and make him just work from there, because he has the ability to break tackles right. and he's fast. Right. So like I want to see them do more open things within the quote-unquote West Coast offense rather than just do regular quick slants and quick read. Granted granted that Eli's best years are within this offense and his percentage is better, I'm still thinking he's in the 60% and mid to upper 60%. At a point in time, he was at like almost 70% completion percentage um, at the first two, three games Mm -hmm. of the year. But... Like I said, the all the real, the run game is not great. It's probably almost second last, second to last or dead last within the constructs of the league. I like Paul Perkins, like I mentioned earlier. I want to see him get a little bit more touches. Um, I do believe the offensive line had played a little bit better this week, but Justin Pugh going down was kind of big. Yeah. At the same time, so we'll guys, see how that plays out. Hopefully, the MRI comes back negative, so he. We miss a game or two, I'm cool with that. And I think we play Cincinnati next week on the Monday night. Big game, should be a big, big game. game for us, too. Um, it's a big game for them because they have a losing record, and they're a really good team, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, record, the records don't mean much with that matchup. The Giants aren't good enough to where you could even look at the record and say, oh, we got that. The Giants, in my eyes, we're still a slightly okay team. Like, on a week-to-week situation for me, I might still call them a bad team because I still see a lot of errors, a lot of mistakes. I still see a lot of holes in the play calling. Um, I did like finally that Spagnola embraced the all-out blitz late in the game. I was saying to some of my homies, I don't really like our zone concepts. I feel like when we in zone defense, I, I, we, we suck. Long story short, the, the guys don't they don't stay within those principles. They get caught ball watching and play, and receivers get behind them. But when we saw late in the game, when they went to the blitz and they took away the opportunity, took away those. Me and you spoke about this off the air. We talk about the fact that the quarterbacks are too comfortable against the Giants. So seeing that blitz, knocking off the timeline of the quarterback, knocking off the timeline of these routes, I'd like to see more of that because we can't sit back in these zones. That's another reason why we can't get off the field on third down is because we're not attacking the quarterback. We're letting the quarterback sit there and just find a guy because he has all the time in the world to find a guy. Um, back to the offense, I, something that you said that I agree with, I, our route combinations or route trees for the Giants on offense are pretty ridiculous. It's almost like you, you're sitting there, you're watching the same game as me. Um it's a lot of it's a lot of what quick was not quick freeze quick slant quick slant quick slant deep shot. It's like all they have in their arsenal is go routes and slants. I'd like to see some corner routes. I'd like to see some skinny posts. I'm not sure if this offense is built for deep posts, but I feel like we have guys in Sterling Shepard. Um, I think we have Victor Cruz. His ankle is a little questionable, but Victor Cruz can run some mean skinny posts, put those safeties under some pressure. Of course, you have Odell Beckham to put some pressure on the safeties when he's not being double teamed. I think we need to mix in some posts, some corner routes, add a couple of more double moves because when we do run the double move plays, they have, the teams are biting them up. So I feel like, but I'll say this. This was a step in the right direction offensively. I'll, I'll give them that much. No, I totally agree with you. Like, especially with, like, a double move route. Yeah. Like, the, everybody knows that you want to do a quick slant. Right. Even if you just do, like, a slant up, that will make that corner yeah, bite or even the safety drop down off of that. And then you have the safety because all you got to do is give your wide receiver a second to throw it up and just let him go get it. Right, right, right. Because if the safety is dropping down off of that, you're going to be covered on that end. 
like you throw the other receiver on the opposite side, make him do a straight skinny, like a straight streak. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You have the cover up top, and then you got the other guy coming from on the other side. So I do see them having to open it up. I do believe McAdoo is still trying to find out who he is as a coach, as mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier this mm-hmm. season. It's his first, like, remember, he's essentially only in his third year of actual coaching. Like, yeah, yeah. He was a coordinator. Uh, uh, no, he was the quarterback coach. Right, but but in terms of like calling plays yes, and being yes. controlling of more of the offense now and the whole team, he's still learning. Right, right. Uh, oh, TJ, I, um, before we get out of here, Tom, Tom, is, Tom is short on our end. Is there anything around the NFL that caught your eye before we let you go? The Vikings at 5-3 and three okay. now lost three straight in a row. Main reason why I pay attention because I have the Vikings as my fantasy defense in right. multiple leagues. Um, I do believe that the defense is doing what they got to do, but the offense is like holding them back. Like right, right. they can't run the ball, they can't pass the ball. It's like that offensive line sucks. They probably have the worst offensive line in the league. And it's not to say that the players that they have are trash. It's just that they went through a lot of injuries on the offensive line. I think they lost two guys to IR and had somebody else out right. as well. So. Yeah, I, I do like the Vikings still to win the division, but it's looking real hard right now. Hi, right, yo, TJ. We appreciate this, man. This is the we're gonna be doing this every week up until the end of the Giants season, and even still into the playoffs, because that's when we become a little more friendly. If the Giants are out, we're still gonna give you the TJ segment. So I hope y'all enjoy TJ's take, and I gotta do the promo. Look for TJ's new podcast coming real soon. TJ, until next time. What you saying? Starting there on Wednesday, coming Wednesday. I'm not sure the date. Whatever Wednesday this is, after <laughs> Sunday the sixth of November. So we're coming this Wednesday. All right, man. Until next time, brother. I holla at you. All right, bro. Thank you. There you have it. TJ's take. I hope you guys enjoyed that. But um, I want to go back to the Giants for a second, but not necessarily the team or the game that was played. I want to focus on their rookie cornerback, Eli Apple. You know. This past week, he had his worst game of his early, his, his relatively young professional career. It's only been eight weeks now, excuse me, nine weeks into his professional career, but he's had his worst game as a pro. It's a coincidence, or is it a coincidence, that his worst game coincided with all this attention that his mom has been gaining with the feud, or I'm not sure what you want to call it. With Giants brass going back to their stance on domestic violence when it comes to Josh Brown. As I said on call sessions a while ago, the NFL doesn't care about domestic violence. The NFL, you know, they care more about perception as opposed to reality. They want to care. They want it to look like they care about domestic violence as opposed to actually caring about domestic violence. And that started a whole tailspin in terms of her making comments about the Giants' ownership group to the media and having a situation where Eli Apple now has to answer for his mother. My whole deal is this. I don't mind Eli Apple's mom having an opinion. When it comes to domestic violence and women's rights, of course, by all means, have an opinion. It's only right. But at some point, Eli Apple's mother, Annie Apple, let me put some respect on her name. Annie Apple has to understand that while she has the right to speak her mind, she has to be mindful of the position that she's putting her son in. At the end of the day, your son plays in the media capital of the world. From the time this kid got drafted, there was about the they, they were focusing on Annie Apple and the relationship with his uh, Eli Apple's relationship with his mom. I saw somewhere that she was gonna get a job, you know, on TV, being a sports analyst to some degree, you know, but more in terms of more in the line of opinions. And we're seeing these opinions starting to snowball. Now it gets to the point where in the Daily News is an article about. Eli Apple's mother saying the Giants were leaning on her son to control criticism, etc., etc., putting Eli in a position where he has to actually answer questions about this. So what I'm saying to you, Mrs. Apple, let me respect you. I respect every stance you've taken, but at some point, 
Your son has a job to do, and you need to stop putting him in these precarious positions. Pick your spots. Maybe in the offseason, you know, you can speak about whatever it is that you want to speak about. But during the season, when the Giants are actually having a pretty good season at this point, five or three through eight games, you need to stop putting your son in positions where he has to answer for mommy. This is not the time for that. Regardless if Eli Apple had a bad game, because he had a bad game, these things happen. The fact that we have to now conflate the relationship with, your, with Eli's mom and Giants brass with Eli Apple's bad game shows you the position that you put your son in. No football player in the NFL should have to be worrying about what his mom is doing to affect his play on the field. That's no good. That is no good. So what I'm saying, basically, is that for the greater good of Eli and his professional career, Mrs. Apple, Annie Apple, I need you to take a step back. Even if you're right, and and, and when it's all said and done, you are right about what the Giants did in terms of their handling of the Brown situation. They weren't trying to, like, sweep it under the rug, but they felt that they could do something to help this man with issues, not knowing that the man was misleading them. But now that that's old news, that's how it works in New York City. We need to take a step back until the end of the season. I, don't, I, I can't help but to say it like this. We don't need to hear from Andy Apple in terms of attacking Giants brass until the end of the season. Take a step back. We don't need to hear from you. You're compromising your son and the ability for him to do his job, whether you mean to or not. Because even if he's playing bad, because he's playing bad, they're going to keep putting the two together, and you're going to have him answer questions for the rest of the season about his mother as opposed to his play on the field. So. I'm just saying, take a step back, do it for your son. Without further ado, Eddie, back call session. Eddie, there's a lot of background noise. I might need you to relocate. Uh, NBA time. Eddie's going to talk to the Knicks. We're going to talk to the general NBA. This is not going to be like the Mets where we're going to talk 10 minutes about the Knicks. That is not happening on call session. It will never happen on call session. Eddie, what's good? <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Ray. <laughs> What's good, man? Oh, well, you know, we're like, what, two weeks in into the NBA season, so many storylines, you know. We yeah. have some good teams. Yeah. We have some bad teams. Where do we begin? Um, let's, let's begin with the Knicks, 2-4, and four, the super team, 2-4. and four. What's going on at the Garden, man? You know what's going on at the Garden? They're not playing any defense. No defense, no bench equals uh, two and four. I mean, if it wasn't for their heroics, if it wasn't for their starting lineup on Friday night against the Bulls, they're probably looking at one and five right now. I mean, when you look at the Knicks, they're um, in the bottom half of the NBA in all defensive categories. They're getting literally nothing from their bench. Um, They're not running much triangle. But, uh, you know, right now, uh, you know, right now they're struggling, you know, but it's still early on in the season, you know. Um, right, there's, right. there's still some hope. So, Ed, let me ask you this. Your opinion, Nick fan Eddie Cigarro. Your thoughts on a triangle? Should the Knicks just scrap it all together, or are you willing to let them try to figure some things out? Let them figure it out. I mean, okay. you know, there's some, rumble, there's some rumblings within the players that they're not uh, – they're not practicing defending the pick and roll. I think that's just nonsense. I mean, okay. you know, this is this is a relatively new team. You know, Derrick Rose, Joakim Noah, Courtney Lee. I mean, they're a relatively new team from the team that won 32 games last year, you know? New coaching right, right. staff. I mean, uh, you know, it's early. You know, you've got to let them figure it out, you know? So let me ask you this. Another question for you. This is going to sound a little blasphemous, but I'm going to do it anyway. With the way Uh-oh. the Knicks are currently constituted, you have Chris Stapps in the starting lineup, Melo in the starting lineup, D. Rose, Courtney Lee, Joe Kim Noah. That's not the greatest defensive lineup that you've ever heard of, right? With their benches compromised, would you consider having Chris Stapps as your sixth man just to shake things up? Uh... I'm going to say no. I, I think okay. you have your best. Your best unit is with Chris S. Porzingis in your starting lineup. Okay. You know, I think the problem that the Knicks have right now is the fact that once they go to their bench, it seems like John, Hor- uh, John Hornacek goes to five completely yeah. new players. 
he should have at least one starter with the bench. He just hasn't okay. done that. You know, yesterday yeah, afternoon against uh, you know against the Jazz, you know, they, they were up two heading into the fourth quarter. Let's not forget they were up 13 at one point. Right. Fourth quarter, five bench players. Jazz start the fourth quarter on a 7-0 run. That was the game right there, Ray. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, yeah, Hornacek needs to figure out a way to stagger his starters. Like, if, if I'm Jeff Hornacek, you definitely have to find a way to keep your starters on the floor at all times. But I'm going to say this right now. It's going to sound crazy, but I'm going to say it anyway. The Knicks miss Robin Lopez. Joe Kim Noah is a defensive liability. He can't move anymore. Am I wrong? Uh, you're not too, you're not off. You're not you're okay. not off there. <laughs> you're not quite off. You know, I mean, you know, Porzingis and Robin Lopez had great chemistry last year, you know? That was right. a big loss for the New York Knicks, so you know. Uh but you know, let's let's not give up on Joe Keen. You know, let's not okay. forget, you know, we've missed a lot of games the last two seasons. You know, he's still working his way back into basketball shape, you know. Um, let's not all put this on Joe Kim Noah now, you know. But it's it's a collective team effort, though, you know. The Knicks right now rank last in the NBA in defensive efficiency. Right, right. Well, Melo's never been known to be a good defender anyway, so it's a lot of issues across the board. Um, let's let's stay away from the Knicks. Is there anything in the NBA that's caught your attention? Raise your eyebrows, whether negative or positive, in the league thus far. I mean, if we if we look at the Eastern Conference, I like what I've seen from the Atlanta Hawks, you know? I mean, you know, uh, Dwight Howard, you know, a lot of people thought he was done. You know, a lot of people thought, hey, how can the Atlanta Hawks invest three years and $70 million to Dwight Howard? He's, he's been fantastic for the Atlanta Hawks this year, you know? Um, and then in the Western Conference, though, I know mean, we've been saying this about the team, about this team the last few years. Is this the year that the Clippers finally take that next step? They, I mean, they're five and one. They, they look great, you know. But it's not about what they do in the regular season. It's about what they do in the playoffs. But you know, when I look at the West, you know, I really like what I've seen from the Clippers. And in the East, I really like what I've seen from the Hawks. You know. You know, I, I, I'm, I've been down on Dwight Howard for personal reasons. You already know why. We don't got to get into that. But I, I, it, with the exception of that questionable loss to the Lakers. It's been a solid start. For me, it's not even about the win. Devin Booker in Phoenix is looking like the real deal coming out of the two-guard position. He's putting up a lot of buckets. I don't know if you've been able to see him play yet, but if you haven't, Ed, make it your business to look up that Booker kid. He's looking like a big-time professional two-guard in the NBA. Yeah, no, no, Devin Booker, you know, it's funny because he's someone that I looked into when it comes to, you know, I'm in a fantasy basketball league this season, Ray, and I looked at Devin Booker, you know, it was actually between CJ McCollum from the Portland Trailblazers and Devin Booker, you know, I went with the guy with a little bit more experience, but right now, Devin right. Booker, he had a career high the other night, I believe he had like, what, 38, 39 points with a few yeah, and, and let's not, and let's not forget about T. <laughs> Let's not forget about T.J. Warren. He's come out of nowhere. Small forward yep. for the Suns. He's played exceptionally well for the Suns, you know? Yeah, man. So, yeah, man. You know, they, got some good, they got some good young pieces, you know? And then, I mean, let's not, you know, let's not discount what Anthony Davis has done. I mean, not that it's a surprise. Oh. It's just unfortunate that he's, played, he's playing on such a terrible team that's been decimated by the injury. True indeed. True indeed. They just got rid of Lance, Lance Stevenson today. He got hurt. They cut him. So I see what you're saying. Before I let you go, Ed, I know you got to make moves. Real quick, your takeaway from the World Series. Wait, were you were you happy with it? With it ending? I like the way it ended. I mean, you you nailed it right on. You know, you nailed it right on the coffin, though. If the Cubs were gonna <laughs> come back and win a World Series, they had to do it in dramatic fashion, and and so they did, coming back from three-one down. You know. You know, there's been talk about the rain delay and how that might have all, you know, that might have affected the Indians' momentum. But you know, at the end of the at the end of the day, you know what? The Cubs won 103 games. They were the better team. Yeah. I mean, you know, as much as I like Joe Madden as a manager, he almost cost their team a World Series. You know, he did True not me. manage great at managed. all. But you know, he overmanaged. You know, and um, you know, congratulations to the Cubs and their fans. They they absolutely deserved it, you know. I mean, you know, the Indians, you know, play their hearts out. It just, it just wasn't meant to be. 
Um, but they'll be right back at it next year. They got a good young core of players. And let's not forget two-thirds out of their uh, of their starting rotation was hurt. True, And true, they made true. it to the seventh game of the World Series. And, you know, the Cubs, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with for years to come. You know, I think it was just a great World Series altogether. I'm going to miss some baseball, you know, in the next couple of months. But, you know, that's how we have football and basketball. True indeed. Hockey, too. But, uh, Ed, I appreciate the time. I'll, we'll do this again next week, man. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, Ray. As always. Peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Car Sessions is, is hitting the express lane. We got my man Chris from Blue Collar Sports on the line right now. We're going to quickly talk about the Pacquiao fight from this past weekend. Let's get him on. My brother What's Chris, welcome What's back to Car on? Sessions, man. What up, what up, what up, man? You? you know, all good, all good, man. All good in Lakerland. <laughs> oh, you already know. I, I, I don't want to get called a homer, man, so I was trying to avoid the Lakers altogether <laughs> because I don't want to oh, stick man. my chest out too much. But it's coming. I'm going to wait another week. If we win a few more games, I'm going to have you right back on and we're going to talk about some Lakers. I don't care. But, yo, oh, yes. Manny Pacquiao took care of business over uh-huh. the weekend. What, what did you see? Was, was it, was it a, a great Pac-Man performance or was this a fed opponent for Pacquiao? For me, it was almost vintage, uh, not quite all there because, you know, clearly the power is not the same, you know, with, with age that happens. But for me, the fact that he was even able to do what he did, with, I mean, I don't think people realize the amount this guy works for. He's an actual real senator. This guy puts in his hours. He's one of 24 senators. He sits on 15 different committees. I mean, this guy is a constant workhorse in the Senate. I mean, he hasn't missed a day of work yet, so the... The way he was able to balance his schedule between the Senate and training in the gym and then doing what he did against a guy who's 10 years younger than him and happens to be the champ was just was crazy to me. I, I was thoroughly impressed. I thought he might come off a little sluggish and slow, but he just he, he wowed me for a guy who's 37 and danced around Vargas all night. It, it, was, it was really impressive. Um. I'm not mad at that. For me, I was one who was of the belief that Pacquiao was still fighting because he was low-key broke. You know, he, yeah. this past fight, he put up a million dollars worth of tickets, I heard, or I read, I should say. So I'm like, this guy, he's always throwing money around. So for me, it was like, are you fighting because you love to fight or do you need the money? But then you see a performance like this this past weekend, and you got to give her some respect to this man. He still went out there, as you said, beat a guy 10 years younger than him, and did, I want to say in impressive fashion, but he was never in any real danger of losing the fight. So my next question to you is this. I'm not, I'm, I don't, I don't think that the Money May rematch is coming down the pike just yet. But if I had to ask boxing fan Chris right now, who will be his next opponent? Would you mess with a Crawford? Would you mess with a DSG? Would you mess with a Keith Thurman if you're the Pacquiao camp? You see, that, that, that's where it all... It, that, that's where it all, all the questions lie because does Pacquiao really want to risk fighting a young, strong guy and messing up his chances at a Floyd fight? Because let's say if Pacquiao loses to, to Danny Garcia, which I don't think he would lose, I think that damages his chances permanently and he'll never face Floyd. And like you said, Manny Pacquiao spends money like a drunken sailor. I mean, this guy throws money around all the time. He goes up and down. He blew a lot of his money that he made against Floyd Mayweather, the 120 he made against Floyd Mayweather, he he owed a lot of money to Bob Aaron. Bob Aaron floated right. Manny Pacquiao for a long time. So a yeah, Manny, yeah, basically, you know. So, <laughs> so I, and then there was rumblings of Manny Pacquiao maybe fighting Canelo Alvarez, but I mean Canelo is way too big to get down to yeah. 147, and Pacquiao's way too small to get up to 154. Uh, right. Pacquiao just been way in 147. He weighed 144 pounds. So. Right. He's he he can't put on that size and Canelo. I mean, he's moving up now to middleweight. Finally, he's admitting that he's an actual middleweight. But so maybe that after triple G fight can actually happen. After he beat up all these welterweights who never had a chance against him, it's about damn time. Um, I, I know, yeah. I know you pressed for time. So before you go, Cove Eleven Ward is coming down the pike in two weeks. Who you got in that and why? Uh, you know, I mean, it's hard to bet against Andre Ward. He's such a master at his craft. Uh, he's he's basically a bigger version of Floyd Mayweather. Um, it, it's but the only thing I can give to Andre to uh, to Kovalev is that he's because he's stronger. He's they're about the same age, but he's stronger and he's been busier. Andre Ward has been so inactive throughout boxing the last few years 
that that Kovalev being in there with top competitors and elite fighters and him beating them up really bad is going to go to his advantage because Ward has fought here and there throughout the last few years, but he's fought nobody. So the fact that he's going to be fighting an elite fighter like Kovalev, it, it, that might that might go that might hurt him in the long run because he hasn't faced a guy like Kovalev in a very long time. That's what I'm concerned about with this fight is that that layoff and not fighting top competition. Kovalev been chopping mm-hmm. trees down, man, and it's like when he does, he's going to get hit. I don't see a situation where Ward gets in there and he doesn't take a shot. When he does hit, get that shot, will that layoff of not fighting top competition buckle those knees? This guy hasn't lost since he was a teenager, you know? So I was like, I'm concerned about that. But me being a fan of the sweet science, I believe that he can outbox Kovalev over 12 rounds if it gets 12 rounds. That, that, that's where I'm at. I'm not willing to make a prediction. I'm legitimately concerned about his chin against a, a Russian like Kovalev who's a beast. I'm not sure yet. I'm, I'm on the fence right now. Yeah, I am too. It, it's it's up in the air. But, you know, Ward can basically do what Floyd did to Pacquiao where right. six rounds go by and you're like, damn, Floyd's put five rounds in the bag already, you know? Like, yeah. that could be Ward doing that to Kovalev. If he negates Kovalev's power all night, Kovalev's going to be really ineffective. But I think Kovalev is more than just a puncher. He's more than meets the eye. Kovalev and guys like Triple G get the rap that, oh, they're just punchers, they can't box. But they're really good at boxing and they're really good yes, at putting off that ring. So, you know, Andre's not going to be able to dance around the ring all night with Kovalev. If Kovalev has his A-game on, he's going to keep that, that boxing ring one-sided and, and Kovalev can go to work on him. But, you know, Andre, like we said, Andre's a master at his craft. So, you know, it's going to be a fun fight to watch. Yes, yeah, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it right now. I'm fiending to see that fight right there. But, yo, Chris, I appreciate you making the time to call in and talk about some fight game, man. Oh, anytime, man, anytime. We'll talk Lakers soon. You already know, man. Have a good one. Me too. My man Chris, Blue Collar Sports. If you're on SoundCloud, you're on iTunes. Blue Collar Sports Talk, that is his podcast. Follow him at, at Chris Blue Collar on Twitter. This guy, Car Sessions family member, been supporting since day one. Let's get it. And I wanted to bring the latest edition of the Car Sessions Sports Report to a close by talking about something that's it's kind of bothering me. Social media stitching. I have a big issue with that. So now you're going to ask me, what is social media censure? What are you talking about, Josh? What I'm speaking about is this person, whoever he is, whoever does this, who goes on to athletes' timelines, finds tweets, and then shares them at the most opportune time for the most awkward, or excuse me, by, for, for the most opportune time to place that athlete in an awkward situation. Now, what brought this on for me is Jeremy Grant got acquired by the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder a few years ago, a little while back. He posted a tweet about Russell Westbrook being doo-doo. He didn't make any news at the time because it didn't matter. He was just another voice on Twitter tweeting some things out. But as soon as he gets on Oklahoma City, whoever this person is, it must be the same person who generates all these wonderful memes that we see all over the internet, goes to his Twitter timeline and goes and and reads through hundreds and thousands of tweets and gets this one or two tweets about Russell Westbrook and exposes it to everyone as soon as he gets acquired. Had he never been traded to the Thunder, no one would ever know about this. But this social media snitch decided that he wants to make things as, as awkward as possible for Mr. Grant and to make things weird with the crazy person that is Russell Westbrook for his own gain, for a cheap laugh, for, for a couple of clicks on these sports websites. Man, stop doing that. A lot of times when, when guys tweet things out, they're not tweeting things out because that's their opinion. All right, fair is fair. you got to think before you hit send. I'm not absolving Mr. Grant of his tweet. But the fact it means is I know how Twitter works. A lot of times, you say something crazy about Russell Westbrook, you're trolling. That's not your actual opinion. You're trolling the Westbrook fans on Twitter who will now flood your timeline with anti-you tweets, call you a bozo, call you a buffoon, call you an MF, call you a B, call you whatever they can think of because you disrespected Russell Westbrook. Not because you think Russell Westbrook is doo-doo and can't play. You understand? So to that social media snitch out there who, who thinks it's funny 
to put players in awkward and compromising positions, that's not cool, man. That's not cool. That's not cool at all. Again, I'm not absolving Grant of not thinking before he hits sin. But what I'm trying to say to you right now is that he was trolling. If you read those tweets and you're a troll, like I'm a troll. I troll hard. Anybody who knows me knows I troll in real life without keyboard. I'm a troll. That was a trolling tweet. You understand? You don't do those type of things without understanding that you, it, it's trolling taking place. So it was a little frustrating. Even when uh, Larry Nance got drafted to the Lakers, social media snitch found a way to go on Larry Nance's Twitter timeline and find a tweet from like three years ago that was bashing Kobe, calling Kobe a rapist. Like, what's the purpose of that? You don't know Larry Nance. You don't know Kobe. Kobe's not your man. You wasn't breaking bread with Kobe. What you, what you doing that for? That's snitching. Everybody's calling, oh, Russell, uh, D'Angelo Russell's a snitch. Uh, uh, uh. Nobody calls out the social media snitch who goes to these athletes and Twitter timelines and blows things up and gains something. He doesn't get any paper for it. He gets nothing from it. He's just ratting to rat. And I have an issue with that. Social media snitching is not okay. That's all I got to say about that. We got a call calling in right now. Let's see who it is. Call you live a job on car sessions. What's good? Hey, Job, what's going on? This is Esco, yo. Esco, what up, boy? You you barely made the cut five minutes ago. What it is? Hey, you know you know I got to come in on the fourth quarter. Just to, uh-huh. just to get you a little bit. <laughs> just to talk about this New York Giants subject. And I just got a question for you. You know, I got a lot of heat with uh, my stance on Eli Manning. But I want to ask you a question. When, in your opinion... Was Eli Manning's prime year as a quarterback? Prime years as a quarterback? I would say... Um, a question, Esco. From the year after the first Super Bowl, those years from that from that 9 season through the year after the second Super Bowl, I would say was Eli Manning's prime run where he was slightly dependable before he ran into a couple of interception-heavy seasons. Okay, from he won the Super Bowl 2008 and 2012. So within right. those four or five years, you know, whatever timeline period, we would think that it's prime. I looked at his numbers and we've seen it, and they were standard. Yet we complain that his O line, year after year, which the Giants has never led in sacks, has never led. In any form of unprotected QB sack. Okay. So now I look at this, and my biggest stance is not that Eli Manning is trash. It's not that Eli Manning is, you know, he's losing his elite status. Right. He's never produced elite status. He played you know, at elite level in crunch time. So you know, my thing I can't, is, the, I can't argue that. Okay. You're making some solid points. Continue. Continue. My biggest question is, are we not seeing the way football is evolving into a faster sport, faster athlete, faster play call? Eli Manning, through his progression, which means from first from his first throw to his second throw, he's completing less than 59%. Under that, from his 11th throw to his 30th throw, he's completing 64%, which means it takes him time to get into a groove. By far, this is the great, the best talent that Eli Manning has ever had, which is Odell oh, Beckham, Victor Cruz. Uh-huh. My thing is, how long are we going to be using the O-line as an excuse? Can, 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 I, can, I, can I get that's in all, on this? Can I, can I respond to you, Esco? Can I, can I get in? What you were saying about, what you, <laughs> what you were saying about Eli Manning on the surface level, it's 100% correct. There's nothing but indisputable facts you're saying on the surface level. But what we have to understand about Eli Manning's career, and I've lamented this on behalf of Eli, is the fact that he spent much of his career in one of the most bogus offenses known to the NFL. That he played in a run-and-shoot offense with, with Kevin Gilbride that was dated back to the late 80s and early 90s that required him to be on the same page with a wide receiver at all times. In other words, 
he's supposed to be reading and reacting with his wide receiver at all times. So if his receiver is supposed to be fitting into a zone, then the receiver breaks off the route. Eli's expecting him to go into the zone, the, the pocket in the zone. That's why he has so many issues with Ruben Randall in the past. That's why he throws so many questionable interceptions in the past because he expected his receiver to be in spots that he was in because that was the construct of the offense. He was supposed to be on the same wavelength as opposed to a, a West Coast offense where receivers are already entering areas for you. He was supposed to be reading and reacting in the middle of a route with a wide receiver. How ridiculous is that? But that was why I had issues with that in terms okay. of what you're saying with his stats. He was a bogus offense. Off the rip. Bogus offense. I'll, I'll never forgive yeah. Kevin Gilbride for that. But as of right and, now... And, and, go ahead. No, no, no. And I agree with you. I totally agree with you. That That is not going to be disputed. But today... Hello? Those, I'm here with you, brother. But today... Okay. That's we're talking disputed. about... The numbers that my, my, you showed me right is, now with the, with the O-line in terms of, you know, the, the, those percentages are legit. But, of course, he can't get to his second read, Esco, if his O-line is having his front breathing down his neck. How can he make the second read if he has to get the ball out quick to defend himself? And, and, and I agree with you on that standpoint. But somehow, some way, you know, he got sacked a certain amount of times. You know, he, he got sacked when he took it in 2008. Right. You know, he, 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 he got sacked 27 times, to be exact. I mean... That's not a lot. That, 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 that's not a lot. That's not a lot. And, um, you know, if you progress, if you look, you know, during the years, you're going to see 25. You're going to see 32. You're going to see average numbers. And somehow he got it done going 23... 23 touchdowns and only 20 in with 20 interceptions, but he got it done. Okay, that's what I'm saying. I, I I honestly feel that at some point, as Giants fans, we gotta say, let's just look at the draft board a little closer, just in case, because this season, I mean, just based on this season, has he won us a game? This is the thing, Esco. I, he's, he's an older quarterback. Okay. He's an older quarterback. So, of course, it's time to start thinking about the draft. I'm not of the belief that we need to look into it this year, next year, or even the year after that. I think the Giants, as, like where we are deferring in opinions is the fact that I believe that the O-line is an issue. If you were to give, if you give Eli Manning Dallas his O line, he could progress all day. He could go to his first option, his second option, his third option, his fourth option, and he'd be great. But when you have an offensive line that's a bend but don't break offensive line, you have no run game to keep the pass rush honest. It's gonna affect the way the quarterback plays. That's football one on one, man. I can't, I can't bash Eli without bashing the O line that's not protected. He can't do his job to the best of his abilities if he's running for his life. Uh, absolutely, but just 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 as a thought, I'm just gonna put this out there. When did he have an O line? The championship, yo, that that O line with O'Hara and them boys. <laughs> the, the Giants, the, the, it wasn't Dallas O line. It wasn't Dallas's O line right now. But don't get it twisted. It's not. Let's not be revisionist historians right now. Those championship years, I've read numerous articles of them boosting up that Giants O line and that Giants run game. When you had uh, what's my, my man named number 27? Uh, his name is. Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw. The O line got a lot of love. Don't get it twisted, Esco, because now you change your history. That O line got a lot of love and a lot of respect. A couple of Pro Bowlers on that O line. Don't do that, Esco. A, a couple of Pro Bowlers. Yes, but we don't I'm have just it. Saying, we don't have, I'm just we saying. Don't, we don't even have decent professionals right now. We don't even have that. I'm just saying, all stats. All, not, not, not with the naked eye, because stats, stats do not show everything. Okay. I mean, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this. And I'm saying, wait a minute. He got sacked more in his championship year. Esco, if you years. give if you give the, if you give Eli Manning the O line he had with his championship years with this West Coast offense, Eli would throw forty touchdowns. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely, absolutely. But but you know what? He ain't got it. Ben Roethlisberger ain't got it. Matt Ryan what? ain't got it. What? They ain't got it. The Steelers O line is not better than the Giants O line. You you trying to raise my blood pressure now, Esco? You do you you you're trying to no. kill me, man? No, 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 I'm just trying to get your blood pressure up. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, my goal is to get your blood pressure up. So this Sunday, we look forward to our Giants 
And oh, I, yeah. I'm critical on my Giants more than any team. I don't As think you we should have passed up on, on Todd Gurley. I think us passing up on Todd Gurley was a mistake. I think that was one of our... We needed a right tackle. Fine. We had cash. Money talks. Right now, the Raiders, money talks. They paid for that O-line. I mean, we got to give it up. You got one of the greatest receivers in the game. Eli Manning is over and underthrowing. Not just overthrowing, underthrowing. And almost cost us the game again. I'm just waiting to say... Where, because people will quit time to youth. Some you know, people right. get better as they're older. You, you're absolutely get right. And I, I, felt like, I felt like the Giants should have spent the money or, or took the chance or, or Laramie Tunsil or Lyle Collins. Remember Lyle Collins when he ended up in Dallas Excellent. and he was a, a free agent? Those are guys that the Giants should have been looking into. I, I, I'm going to have to absolutely. give it up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, that's all I try to do. I just try to raise your blood pressure a little bit. Just, just, and just look at something. Just a little bit closer. Just look at Eli a little bit closer. That's it. That's it. <laughs> all right, let's go. Thank you. Now I have to go take some pills to get my pressure back down. Now, damn it. <laughs> Yo, let's go. I know we're overtime on car sessions, bro. I'm gonna holler at you soon, man. All, all the time, man. Pleasure on the show, man. Stay up. It is, man. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. We have fun here on Car Sessions. This is a sports support. Look for me later in the week when I do my thing. Car Sessions in New York City. Esco, you know, he, he held it down. And last but not least, I got to repeat myself. TJ, new podcast coming this Wednesday, November 9th. Yo, you heard that? It's a date. It's not coming soon no more. This Wednesday, November 9th, TJ's new podcast is on deck. Until next time, y'all, Car Sessions is out. Peace. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.